0: kind of explained, you know, this season leading up to the preparation time. We call it Advent, the season to get ready, the season to prepare for. It's good, it's appropriate. Luke and Matthew both devote some time uh, and attention to this pre-Christmas story preparation time, and it's good to prepare and get ready But today is the day. Today it's it. We're done getting ready. No more preparing. This is it. And truly, this is it. The actual day that we stop and say today, here, now, in Bethlehem, In a stable, in the manger, Jesus was born. Jesse said uh, last Sunday that he did not want to assume or imply that he understood how it felt to be pregnant. I appreciate that. I have also learned not to assume, although it is somewhat further back in my history... When I was informed or gently reminded not to assume that I understood what it meant to be pregnant, I I, I do remember that that's not, not up to me. But from the sidelines, I have observed. I have observed that the waiting time toward the end of a pregnancy is long and tedious and difficult. Many husbands are nodding. And one of the worst things that you can say, apparently, to a pregnant lady is something to the effect of, So baby hasn't come yet? Duh, no. Hmm, so you're still here. Uh, yeah. Still waiting, huh? hmm The wait is apparently crazy toward the end. So why would that have been any different for Mary and Joseph? Especially under these unique circumstances. You know, I I imagine they were really wondering, what... Is our baby going to look exactly the same as all other babies do? I mean, there's something pretty unique about this. What's this really going to be like? And the waiting and the anticipation and the wondering... It must have been driving them somewhat crazy. Jesus, God's Son, was going to be coming. And then the moment. That moment when the baby made its appearance. It's an amazing moment for a mom and a dad. An amazing moment. But why would it have been any different for Mary and Joseph? That moment when... God arrived. Wow! God actually making his live appearance here on earth, visibly in a body, in a body of a, of a little baby. What a crazy moment in time. Thank you, Jesse, for kind of highlighting that in our little intro already this morning. What a crazy moment in time. And in some ways, we enter into that wait time During Advent, this great season, but we're waiting in spirit for the moment. The moment when we can truly say, today, here, now. The baby Jesus. Wow! What a holy moment. The baby Jesus in a manger. I brought something similar to what that original manger may have looked like up here for a bit of a visual. What a holy place. The manger. A manger for the world. I want to invite you to help me with this responsive reading. And so all of you are going to begin and then we'll just work our way through just a couple of lines here. In a world of chaos And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, who was born in lowly circumstances. Yet his birth was heralded by angels who proclaimed, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord? Really? Really? If you were told that, in order for you to believe it, and then especially in order for you to be willing to proclaim it to others, you would need a, a sign. You would need some kind of evidence. Something that would be significant enough for you to say, mm, okay. Then, yeah, I think, I think I can believe that. Yep, then I'll go for it. And so the angel gave it. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a, in a manger. Swaddling clothes? Every baby in Bethlehem likely was wearing or wrapped in swaddling clothes. That was not the sign. The sign was the manger. In fact, this must have sounded so ridiculous that the shepherds probably did not think they had heard the angel correctly. But that is what made the manger a sign. See, No other king was lying in a manger. There was only one. It was Jesus, the king of the world. And the manger will be the sign. It was not totally unusual back in their day for someone to sleep in a stable. Poor travelers or those excluded from the house because they had run out of room, uh, they would share with their animals space in the stable. In a sense, it was actually a little bit like Sleeping in your car, most people don't do it, but it's certainly not unheard of. You arrive someplace late, you don't want to wake the people, or there's no room in any hotel, or you're simply trying to save money, or you don't have any money, Mm, you end up sleeping with your mode of transportation. You sleep in your car. So it was in those days, it was not unheard of to be sleeping with your mode of transportation. What was absolutely unheard of was that the mother and father of royalty would be sleeping in a stable. Never mind on a night when their baby was going to be born. That a king would be born in a stable and that a king would be sleeping in a manger in the company of his mode of transportation. That can't be. And so the manger becomes the sign. I can think of many different signs that I've seen recently. What is the purpose of a sign? Um, A sign when it is done right, when it is set up at the right place so that people are gonna see it, when the graphics are done well, So they will attract attention, hopefully positive attention. When it has the right information on it, not too much, not too little. I have seen business vehicles from time to time with graphics on the vehicle. And they try to tell you everything about every detail that their business has ever done. And you kind of get lost and and the sign becomes useless. I've also seen signs that had not enough information on it. And that becomes useless. And so you plan for this sign that you're going to put up. For a sign to be effective, it has to be done right. And so a lot of strategizing goes into a sign. Ask Pastor Mike about that. He's he's designed sign after sign. A sign is supposed to be effectively communicating a very clear, very specific message. I'm going to venture a guess here if that is how how humanity views a sign, if that is how much strategic planning and contemplating and designing and locating and effort go into a human sign here on earth, then I think it's safe to say that God was very intentional in deciding how and what kind of a sign He was going to send at the original Christmas. I'm going to venture a guess that it was not just some haphazard stab in the dark, let's throw this out there and see what happens, kind of an idea. I'm pretty sure it was very specific and very intentional. I think it's fair to assume that there was a clear God-intended message in the manger. In... The sign. The manger for the world. So, the question could be, what was God's sign intended to communicate? If it was intended, very specifically, to communicate something specific, what was it? And maybe we could come up with a variety of answers. Um, I'm going to encourage us not to overthink it too much this morning, for the sake of time. I'm going to give one answer, and I, I, I think in general, I think I've got it. I believe the sign was intended to communicate humility. We could say that in many different ways. God was sending His Son as King of the world that was going to be good news of great joy for all the people. Now, I think we've come a long way in our culture in viewing all people as equal and significant. I believe we've still got a ways to go in our hearts and our spirits and knowing how to live that out, how to communicate that, how to speak in a way that we convey that, how to look at people in a way that we convey that, uh, how to address people so that we're saying what we really know that we believe on the inside. Um, We've got a ways to go, but like I said, I believe we've come a long way in coming to see all people as equally significant back then this news of great joy this idea of news of great joy for all people was very very revolutionary it was simply not possible to have someone come in their minds it simply wasn't possible to have someone come in a kingly into a kingly position that would spell good news for all people, it was either going to be good news for the Romans, or it was going to be good news for the Jews, it was either going to be good news for the poor, or it was going to be good news for the rich, it was either gonna be good news for men, or it was gonna be good news for women, it was either gonna be good news for the slave, or it was gonna be good news for the slave owner, it was either gonna be good news for adults, or it was gonna be good news for children, And at the end of the day, whatever the news was, it was never going to be good news for the Samaritan. So to think that there would be a Savior born, a King born, that would be good news for all people, was absolutely revolutionary for them. It was crazy. It can't be. There's no way to encompass all people with one news item that will be good for everybody. It can't be. And God decides that somehow the best way to communicate this would be for him to come in the lowliest possible fashion. So I'll come to an unwed couple with an impure ancestry born while on the road born in a little obscure town and then in that little obscure town in a stable with the mode of transportation the way the poor people travel and where the poor people sleep and then spending the first night of my life on earth in a manger this will be the sign you will find the baby in a manger let me finish with this reading The good news is, the angels have appeared in the night sky, not to frighten us, but to make an amazing announcement meant to bring great joy to all the people of the world. To us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this Messiah was born not just for the people of his day, but for the people of every day and age. This Messiah was born to save you. When we hear that announcement, just like the shepherds in the field, we have to get up and hightail it over to the manger where he lay. Because to see God in the world, we must be willing, we must not only be willing to go, but to actively pursue the places where God is appearing. And let us be absolutely clear, God is still appearing. God is still appearing just as profoundly today as God appeared in this world on that starry night in the land of Palestine in a manger over two millennia ago. But let us be clear about something. This manger is not just for us to see any more than it was just for the shepherds. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's not just for the privileged, or the Christians, or the ones who live in a land of the free. It's not just for the family members we like, or approve of, or agree with. It's not just for the folks who live like us and think like us. It's not just for some. This manger is for the entire world. And those angels have invited all the world to come and see. Not just come and see, but to come down home and sit a spell, as we say in the South. Christ is our true home. This manger is the place where all the world comes to kneel on this holy night. This is our true home, our permanent home. The place where we are welcome and secure and able to bask in Christ's peace, Christ's love. Christ's goodwill and hope for all people and for all time. No matter who we are or where we live, no matter whether we have come down home for Christmas or we are celebrating with a family we have made for ourselves, no matter what our state of sinfulness or station in life, no matter what our status or identity or background or culture or beliefs, no matter whether we live in a mansion that has been in our family for generations or in an apartment or a car, or a tent, or a shelter. The fact is, all of our earthly homes are temporary. There is only one home that is permanent, and that is the home we make with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate today, and whose coming again we will not fear, but rather will look for with the hope of Joseph, and the joy of Mary, and the curiosity and the conviction of the Magi, and the boldness of the shepherds in the field. So, come, let us gather around the manger, the manger for the world. Amen. For leading us this morning, thank you especially to Ryan Swatsky, Ryan and Krissa. Maybe some of you uh, don't, haven't met them yet. They've been part of our church family for a little while now, and it's great to have you leading worship up here today with us. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, lunch downstairs. I think many of you have been smelling it a little bit already and um, Pearl just informed me that there's, uh, whether you brought food today or not, there is enough food for everybody. So, uh, if, you, if you are here and you don't have specific lunch plans, then please, please, please feel f- very free to come on down and uh, join some of the rest of us that don't have any gatherings and stuff going on today uh, for lunch. And so, uh, no rush heading down. Uh, there's a couple things that they're still putting in place down there, but Uh, please feel free to come and join uh, the rest of the church family downstairs for lunch. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you again for the incredible gift that we get to celebrate today. Thank you today for the manger. Thank you for that holy place where you began your visible earthly journey. Thank you so much for the church that we get to celebrate this together. And I pray for the church around the world today, pour out your spirit in many different ways, in many different places, in ways that each culture can understand. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you now also for lunch. I pray that you would bless that food to our bodies and also bless uh, the rest of this day, wherever we go, uh, that we would be your agents of grace and mercy and love and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.